Well, if you are a Facebook user, you know there's more truth in that little video than uh, we might care to point out. I'm not sure exactly how to follow that, but I'll give it a, a shot. Uh, 2011, January 11th, I started here. At that point in history, uh, 25% of the adults in this country uh, were on a smartphone. By the end of 2012, that number had jumped to 46% of adults were on a smartphone. Today, 94% of adults are on a smartphone. There are places in the world where they don't even have indoor plumbing, but they have a smartphone. People use these things, too, for, for everything. I mean, this has replaced the personal computer for emailing, for shopping, for research, for, for, for gaming, for uh, just about anything you can imagine, personal banking, other than word processing. The, the smartphone has arrived, uh, it seems, and it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. Now, I don't believe believe this is is wicked or this is evil the whole internet deal has revolutionized sermon preparation it's 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 amazing how much more you can do in so much less amount of time it has revolutionized how missions can be efficient in reaching the world the the internet has shifted and changed allowing us web pages apologetic pages and biblical studies pages and biblical grammatical pages and historical pages and podcasts and worship music and on and on and on that there's really no reason that we shouldn't be the most sanctified generation in the world. Truly, you hold in your hands, if you hold one of these things, resources that the world has never had before, any generation has ever had before. And so we should be the brightest light you can imagine, the most well put together godly group of folk. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? Uh, as, a, as a matter of a fact, as powerful and excellent and positive as the Internet can be, it can be just as powerful negatively. Your studies tell us that the more time you are into social media, Facebook, the more prone you are to depression and anxiety. The more you are connected with social media, the less satisfied you are with real relationships. It seems that social media has that, has that power to connect us with people all over the world, but destroy those connections that we uh, hold dear. Uh, by studies from biologists and web designers, and uh, they, they tell us what we already know, that the Internet creates a, a world of cursory reading, things are just coming at you too fast, of hurried and distracted living, and of a superficial lifestyle. Problem is this. What God requires of us to walk with him is counter those things. See, we need to be still. And know that he is God. We need to be able to focus and concentrate on his word. Meditate without the distraction. Now, David Greenfield from the University of Connecticut's Institute for Technology and Internet Addiction lets us know that 90% of those who have one of these will misuse it, abuse it, overuse it. And those are all words that work against our, our attention span with our God, that, that work against our being faithful to him. And so we've got this, you might, you might sit there and say, you know, I don't, I don't have a smartphone. And that's fine, but most probably you've got kids or grandkids who do. 
And so what we want to do is we want to say this is a new charted area for us. How do we bring this under the lordship of Christ? How do we honor God with this? It was uh, Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5. God's people just got out of Egypt. That's all they had known in, in you know, 430 years, Egypt. And now they have this new frontier, right? This new freedom. And so God gives them the Ten Commandments which are not hassles, not burdens, not, oh, I guess we've got to do these things, but it's how his people, going into this new area of life, how they can know him fully, how they can be connected with their God, how they can be connected appropriately with other people. He, he gives us the Ten Commandments as uh, kind of like parameters that if you stay within, you find flourishing and, and joy. Uh, you tear them down, and Israel's history lets us know when they get outside those parameters, it was just destruction, destruction, destruction. What we're going to go over this morning, and so it's going to be like fire hydrant stuff, because we're going over the tech commandments, right? They're like the ten tech commandments. And what you need to know about these tech commandments is these are not just like made-up things in, in my head, for the most part. Uh, these are biblical principles that we are seeking to apply to our digital lives. These principles can be applied to the rest of our lives as well. Uh, some of these principles, you'll see as we go through them, will be directly from Scripture. Some of them will be indirectly from Scripture. Now, i got to mention this, and this is kind of, uh, I don't mean it to be heady stuff, but just if you fall asleep, you're just not going to get any of this, so stay with me. The biblical principles that we go through in Scripture, we know those are those are not. We, we're not free to say maybe I'll obey this one and maybe I won't. If they're from from God, biblical principles, yes, they're always God's word. They're always good for us, always. The application to that, mm, that that's the part that's not inspired. I think wise, and so sometimes today I'll be pushing the application. You need to to figure out if that's the right application for me and for my life. Now, as we go through these 10 Tech Commandments, I also got to tell you, as we just give you lots of info, blast through a lot of stuff today, if you're not with me, if you're not focusing, you're just going to be overwhelmed, and you're going to go out and go, well, you know, oh well. So this is the deal. We're going to go through 10 Tech Commandments. Your your job, I want to ask you if you would do this. Would you, as we go through these, focus on just one? Not one that you're, I mean, one, not one that you're doing right now, kind of just looking for affirmation, but one that you're not doing right now that you might say, yeah, that's going to be my one. That's the one I'm going to be working on. Would you, would you do that? Otherwise, I think we'll miss all of what we need to go over this morning. So the tech commandments, let's just dig right in. The first commandment of the tech commandments is thou shalt start thy day with thy God, not thy phone. All right. Now, it's, this is interesting stuff. According to a recent Facebook survey, 48% of Facebook users check their Facebook immediately when they wake up in the morning. 50% of, of cell phone users, before they get out of bed in the morning, will check with their phone. What's going on in the world? They'll check with their phone, 50%. 75% of those between the ages of 25 and 29, this is millennials, take their phones to bed with them. This is a new teddy bear. They sleep with this baby, right? 80% of all smartphone users will check their phones within the first 15 minutes of getting up in the morning. This is an interesting stat. 73% of evangelical Christians will check their phones before they spend any time alone with God. 
In the, in the Old Testament, uh, there was a principle that God laid out for his people in the area of, of giving, but the principle can be carried over. It was the, the principle of first fruits. First fruits. And what Israel had to do is they went into their, their harvest fields and they took the very first part of their harvest. You know, they had no insurance. They needed this food to live on. And for all they knew, a hailstorm would come next week and wipe out everything. But they took the first portion of their harvest and they brought it to God and they gave it to him. Now, in this culture, the first people to eat the meal were the men. And the reason why is because the men, generally speaking, were the guys out in the field. They were the ones bringing in the, 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 the produce. They were the providers. And everybody knew you had to keep the providers strong or we were all going down. So in a sense, the most important uh, ate first. Well, this idea of first fruits, what God is, is reminding us, is just so you know, you are not the most important And your family is not the most important. And there's nothing on here that's the most important. He's the most important. And so the principle of first fruits says, okay, I've got my day. 24 hours in a day. The first, before I talk to anyone else, before I I check in with anyone else, I come to God. And I say, God, this day is yours. I may not get anything else accomplished, but before I start, I want you to know that you are the most important part of my life, of this, this, this day. It's, it's at first fruits. In Exodus, this is the, really the first commandment, isn't it? Exodus 20, verse 3, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. Nothing comes before me. And so for some, I wonder if you would say, yeah, that's it. That's the, 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 Tech commandment, I need to be all about. That needs to be in my life. That's the one I'm going to be working on. Tech commandment number one. Tech commandment number two. Thou shalt not text and drive. Yeah, 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 yeah. 95% of drivers say that it's dangerous to text and drive. I would hope that 100% would say that, but no, no. only 95% of drivers say that it's dangerous to text and drive. But after that, 75% of those admit to having done it. 51% of teens say they have witnessed their parents texting and driving. 26% of accidents are related to drivers distracted by, right here, 26%. 26% theoretically of highway fatalities are related to this. 26% of, can you imagine the cost and the energy and the grief and the pain related to right here. Now, If you're a resident of Pennsylvania, you need to know March 2012, Pennsylvania came up, a state came up with a law that supersedes all the the city's ordinances, and this is what it says. It says, all Pennsylvania drivers are prohibited from texting while driving. The new texting law prohibits use of an interactive wireless communication device, an IWCD, to send, read, or write a text-based message. An IWCD can be a wireless phone, personal digital assistant, smartphone, portable or mobile computer, or similar devices that can be used for texting, instant message, emailing or browsing the internet. A text-based message is defined as a text message, instant message, email, or other written communication composed or received on an IWCD. You might say, well, okay, but that's kind of of like a civic sort of thing here that we're dealing with. I thought this was like a church and there should be faith stuff going on today. And this has nothing to do with faith. Ah, I'm not so sure. Romans 13, 1 and 2. 
Paul writes, he says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is, listen to what he puts this, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. The issue for us as followers of Christ is not, are we breaking the law of Pennsylvania? Maybe a cop won't see us. The the issue is we are violating the word of God. Now, again, no guilt here. We've all, no, 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 that's, that's, that's not the goal. But when we know what the law is, we know what the word of God is for us to continue along this line. I mean, you, you know, people who've been in accidents because of this thing. And whether they, did they ever say, yeah, well, I meant that. I was intentional. No, it's always, you know, I didn't mean it. I don't want to hurt anyone. Of course you don't want to hurt anyone. No one wants to. When I was back in a uh, former pastorate, my administra- administrative assistant's 17-year-old daughter was uh, driving. I think she was on her iPod. I'm not sure the cell phone craze was kicking in yet. And uh, went through a, a red light as she was changing music. Uh, horrific accident. I went to the hospital, not prepared for what I was gonna gonna see. A terrible uh, a head trauma, and it was j- really, really uh, upsetting. I mean, I went down. I passed out immediately. I'm a needle wimp anyhow, but this just took me out. Well, she she survived, but the the damage was was so significant that she would never get beyond 11, 12 years old mentally, ever. can imagine the pain and grief for parents, for her. I don't know to what, what extent she understood. Uh, you praise God, there's no one else that was hurt. But when you care for others beyond yourself, you say, you know, even though it's going to be more convenient for me to text right now, and even though it's, it's, I'm going to be able to accomplish more, no, 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 no. Uh, a solid principle in scripture is to put others in front of yourself. You say, you know, because of that. No, no, we're not, we're not going down that road. I do a contract with my kids whenever I have for every one of them when they started driving, write out the contract. And one of the things on there, y'all, many of y'all do this, is, you know, they'll, you should, there'll be absolutely no texting and driving or phone and driving. And if you ever get caught doing this, you're never going to drive again. But they sign off. That's a that's a great idea. I think it wasn't original with me, but that's a great idea. So maybe for some of you, you would say commandment number two of the tech commandments is probably the one I need to focus in on. Thou shalt not text and drive. Commandment number three, thou shalt guard thy soul from yuck. From yuck. Y'all, this is probably one we all need to embrace. Um, certainly we do. Galatians five, uh, 6, 7. Cool biblical principle here. It says, don't be deceived, because we have a potential to be deceived. Whenever scripture says, don't be deceived, it means that's our propensity. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that was what he will reap. This is why probably Proverbs 4.23, see this again, this principle over scripture. Um, it says, above all things, above everything you do in life, make sure that you guard your heart. Because from it flow the well springs of life. Everything you do in life, what you say, what you think, who you be, everything comes from what you've allowed in. And so please know that whatever you allow in is going to take root and it's going to grow. God has said this to think, oh, this doesn't affect me. It's, well, 
I'm glad that's your thought. God has a different opinion, and so you choose whose is the wisest opinion. But but uh, don't be deceived. Now, yuck comes in different varieties. Uh, one, of course, is is the evil kind. We call it the, call it the worthless yuck. Uh, Psalm 101, uh, David says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. That's the evil yuck, and he's going to define that for us. I hate the work of those who fall away. People who aren't walking with you. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Now, that's not just pornography stuff, which certainly would be included. But anything, uh, news stuff, gaming, whatever else, that doesn't reflect a biblical worldview. And just think, if you're constantly pouring stuff that has a non-biblical worldview... It comes in all kinds of different packages, music. You keep pouring that through. You think that won't affect you and impact you? God says, don't be deceived. Of course it's going to affect you. It's, 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 it's evil. This is such a significant thing. We're going to devote the last message in the series to this dark side of, of the Internet. But there's a different kind of yuck as well. This is the, called the useless yuck. The useless yuck. If first, first Corinthians 10.23, this is a, a key, key verse. I mean, this is all over scripture too, but what a great verse. All things are lawful, Paul says. That's anything that scripture has not straight up condemned, it's lawful. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. What Paul's saying is, you and I do not have the right to call things sin that God has not called sin. Sin is something God defines. You and I don't define it. But just because God hasn't called it sin, Paul says, does not mean it's a wise thing. It may not be sin, but it may be stupid, right? That's what it's what it's what he's saying here. Um, there are things that God hasn't straight out condemned in His Word that that are. <laughs> Not not beneficial. They won't help. It's like eating, and there's not toxic poison in the food, but there's just zero nutrients in it. It's just not helpful. And what we think sometimes is because the Bible hasn't condemned it, man, pull all stops. It's cool. And Paul says, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're, we're talking, this is like spiritual maturity 201, 301 type stuff. Where, where you stop and discern, do I really need another story on the NFL draft? Do I really need to watch that game on YouTube again? Do I really need another article on Trump's tweeting or the North Korean crisis? Do I really need another game or take it to another level or beat another boss? I can't draw that line for you, but the important thing here is that you and I recognize there is a line. To live our lives as if there is no line that we can do as much as we want to. Yeah, yeah, you can, Paul says. You're not sinning. It's just a stupid thing. So we, 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 we recognize that uh, uh, our goal is to protect our hearts from, from yuck. Fourth commandment. Remember the tech Sabbath to keep it holy. 
um, the Israelites, remember when they left Egypt, 430 years they were there, they were going uh, seven days a week, I don't know, 16, 18 hours a day working. That's just how they did it. You always were producing. You always were living on that treadmill, always, always, always. But God knew for his people, I mean, that's the way the Egyptians did it, but for his people, that's not the way he created them. And they needed time to unplug. They needed time to, to be still and know that he is God. And so he instituted a Sabbath two weeks ago. We, our challenge was that we, throughout the series, might not do it after the series is all done, but throughout the series, to take a 24-hour period in the week and claim a tech Sabbath. A digital detox time where you're going to take the digital stuff. All this, So television is done. Radio is out. Your phone goes off. There's no calling, texting, word processing, checking the calendar, even reading on my Kindle. There's no Facebooking or Instagramming or, or YouTubing. I mean, it's, it's all aside. And we're going to take the time to stop and journal and be still and think and, and pray. Just whatever else, but unplug so we can plug into him. Disconnect, so we connect into him. And perhaps you said, yeah, I'm going to do that two weeks ago, and since then you have fallen off the wagon. You know, you, you got into this, and you said, man, this is crazy difficult. I can't do it. Don't feel guilt. No guilt, no guilt, no guilt. Uh, but to say, from this point on, I'm going to give it another shot. I'm going to try it again. Because my thought is that if, in fact, uh, we do this, perhaps when the series is done, we may find that it was so peaceful. It was so good for us spiritually. We say, you know what? I'm going to keep that as part of my, my, my schedule, part of my calendar. So number four, remember the text Sabbath to keep it holy. Uh, number five, remember who thou art. Remember who thou art. Donna Friedis, she's a sociologist, not in resident, but a sociologist out of Notre Dame. Um, she wrote her book, The Happiness Effect, where she interviewed all these millennials, especially about their social media uh, uh, life. And this is what she says. She says, the students I interviewed uh, who suffer from insecurity, who have anxiety about their social standing, who... Uh, who fretted about how they were seen by others, uh, are the ones drowning on social media. She works with the studies that say the longer you're in social media, the more prone you are to depression. And the, the reason why is because you're looking at other people's news feeds and pages, and they're so happy, and they're happier than I am. And they look like they have cooler lives than I do, and they have better families than I've got, and they've got greater plans and hopes and dreams, and they're always posting this, these, these great little things of wisdom, and so they're more intelligent people than I am. I can't let them know that, but what's going on in my heart now is anxiety and pain and depression because we don't do this consciously. I end up comparing myself with them, and I'm on the losing end. Because the life I'm comparing with is I compare my real life with their polished, manipulated image life. And I, I just, I'm just failing. I'm, I'm not working. Paul has a word for us on this in 2 Corinthians. He says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. Some of these guys that are puffing themselves up and, and polishing their, their manip manipulating their image. He says, we're not compare ourselves with those guys. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one, with one another, they are without understanding. 
When we're online, often we end up comparing and we feel bad about ourselves. When we're online, reality is there'll be time when perhaps when you're cyberbullied or somebody will say something to about you or about what you believe in or about someone in your family or whatever that just hurts and, and it, 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 it's angry, angry, it will anger you. And I'm telling you, and some of you, you can only imagine, um, I have been the victim. I would say on several levels of comments online, uh, those kind of things that are just, you can't erase, they're just there and, uh, they, they hurt. The, the hurt is real, but you can't draw your identity from those things. You, you just can't draw your identity from those things. When, when we, we live on social media, and I'm not suggesting that we all dump social media and it's from hell and all of that, but when we live there, we need to be conscious of the fact that it can be a breeding ground for uh, us not seeing ourselves through God's eyes. Your worth, you know this. Let me remind you, though. Your worth is not dependent on social media likes. Right? What, a, what a superficial thing. Um, keeping in mind that the one whose opinion matters the most doesn't like you. You know that? He loves you. And he doesn't love you deeply because you're so witty and you look so great and you're able to do all these great things. God manifests his love toward us that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Your worth is not dependent on how many people share your posts. You know, 20 people shared that. Must have been a pretty wise thing that I said. The one whose opinion matters most does not share your profundity and your excellence, but he has shared in your sin in order that he might call you beloved. Your, your, your worth is not dependent on your uh, friends. How many friends I've got? Keeping in mind that on Palm Sunday, Jesus had a lot of friends, but they all unfriended him, right, on Good Friday. But it's on the fact that you've got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so when we're there, when we're in the midst of all this, and maybe we're starting to feel the anxiety, we just need to stop and pull back and remind ourselves that who we are, according to God's word, we are a a beloved child of the almighty, eternal, infinite God of the universe who knows our name. He created us perfectly. He, Psalm 139, the way he wants us to be. He created us. We're, we're created in his God's image. That's, that's who we are. Uh, he gave us the ability when he called us to call him Abba Father, a personal, real face-to-face type relationship. Not because I'm good. Not because I'm witty. Not because I look nice. Just because. That's who we are. And we just have to remind ourselves of that over and over again as we live online. Uh, command, we have command number six, I think, right? Thou shalt not post for approval. This is kind of related. You know, as a pastor, I don't do this consciously. For the most part, I don't think I do, but who knows? <sighs> You study hard, you bring a sermon, you preach it, everything you got. But you know, it's kind of a vulnerable sort of thing. Matter of fact, public speaking is the greatest. More people fear public speaking than they do dying. And part of the reason is because you're really putting yourself out there. And you, you preach, and then afterwards people come and they, you find some people once in a while say, oh, that's, 
that was phenomenal. Oh, my life's been changed. Oh, that's fantastic. And you're like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, I'm just a clay pot and all, but, you know, it's a gift that God has given me. What can I tell you? And, you know, you, you, you don't mean to think this, but you just start thinking, you know, Andy Stanley's got nothing on me. You know, and that, I can exegete better than MacArthur. I am certain of that. In my, whoa, Apostle Paul, eat your heart out. You're just feeling pretty good about your you're spiritual superhero. Yeah, yeah. But after you get done with the message, nobody says anything. And you go home. And when your family says, so did anyone say anything good about the message? No. No, they they didn't. (sighs) Worse yet, people come and say, I didn't. I wasn't sure what in the heck you were trying to say there. I just went over. I couldn't follow you at all. I'm not sure what you're doing. Okay, well, it is what it is. And you crashed. And now you're feeling like, "Ah, Elmer Fudd speaks better than I do, you know, and I just can't exegete scripture as well as Satan can, and I'm just such a loser, and they just need someone else, and I'm awful. And you you don't mean this, you don't, but you go off of people's likes or not likes. You just kind of to do. And so Jack Van Impey in his book, Heart Disease in Christ's Body, talks about this kind of thing way back when, when he was doing the big uh, arena crusades. And he said that there were certain things he would preach on that he would get great approval from the people. And he'd take note of those things. I mean, really, his goal is to preach the gospel. But instead, when he, when he mentioned that men shouldn't have long hair, everybody kind of erupted. So what he found out is he started going to the crusades. He found out that those things started moving more front and center. And the gospel was kind of being pushed out. He was preaching for the likes, for the approval. When we post stuff... Just for the likes. When we post stuff, just to to bring us validity and significance. Uh, Paul would mention this, Galatians 1.10, and this is an incredible verse. This is an incredible verse. He says, for am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, don't miss this. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I mean, this verse is such a great... I definitely have not mastered this verse, but this verse has been huge in my life over the years. Excellent, excellent verse. And perhaps you would stop and say, you know what? This, number six, this is this is my tech command that I need to be working on. Watching why I post what I, what I post. Command number seven, thou shalt not interrupt a real conversation for a virtual conversation. This is a pet peeve of mine. And I just go off on y'all for a minute. Um, can you imagine you're praying to Jesus and you're sitting there trying to pray to Jesus and dear Lord? And he says, oh yeah, what do you want? And all of a sudden, Jesus' phone goes off. He says, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. It's the president. I've got to deal with this. Oh, well, it's the president. Okay. okay. And so then he start to, comes back and he says, okay, now what is it you wanted? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, I want to share with you what's going on in my heart. It's been a rough time. And all of a sudden he gets a ding. It's like, oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Something major happening on the other side of the world. I mean, it's like a whole civil war. I better deal with it. Oh, yeah, it's a civil war. You better, you better deal with that. And okay, he comes back and he says, okay, now what was it? You're like, I forgot. Okay, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was going to tell you my innermost. And he says, okay, yeah, I want to hear it. And all of a sudden it goes off again. He says, you know, I, this person hasn't communicated with me in a long time, and I probably need to get the, yeah, 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 go ahead, Jesus, pick that one up too. And then that keeps going on. Think about yourself for a minute. Do you really think, as far as Christ is concerned, that your problems are worse than everyone else's problems in the whole world? There's some pretty big problems out there. 
And in all honesty, maybe you should deal with those before yours, right? And do you really think that humanly speaking, you are the most significant person in the world? There are some major players in this world who are in leadership positions. If they start to talk to them, don't you think he should probably drop the ball with you and take care of them? Yeah, humanly speaking, but you need to keep in mind, Jesus doesn't view us that way. There is nobody more important in this world than you to Christ. There is nobody, nobody's issues, no world's issues more important to Jesus than yours. And he will never pull that. Our job is to reflect him in this world. And when someone's trying to talk to us and our phone keeps going off, we're kind of continuing to... We're letting them know, right, that, you know what, uh, this is more important than your, and what's going on here is more important than what's going on in your heart, and, and we shut down intimacy and community, because I'll tell you, I'm not going to dig deep and really lay it on the table with you if I don't think it's important to you, if I don't think you really care, if I think I'm going to be interrupted in just a second, which is not going to happen. But when we look into someone's eyes and we say, you know what, What's going on in your heart is very important to me because it's important to Jesus. And we communicate to them things that this world will not communicate to them, that they are valid, that there is dignity with you, that, that I want to honor you and care for you, that when they leave conversation with us, they are feeling better or they are feeling like this, that they were affirmed or that they were honored in life. That's, that's every, every Context should be that way, should it not? So, so the goal, not to interrupt, thou shalt not interrupt real conversation for a virtual one. Number eight, thou shalt date thy man child and thy female child and thy spouse without a lousy phone in the mix. I'm sure it's what it says in the Hebrew. Uh, Tech man number eight, according to A.C. Nielsen, this is an interesting question. I'm going to ask it, then you guys answer in your own heart. The number of minutes per week that a parent spends in meaningful conversation with their children, according to A.C. Nielsen, the number of minutes a week, a week that a parent spends in meaningful conversation with their children is 3.5. According to Nielsen, the number of minutes that the same child spends per week in front of a screen, 2,520. Nielsen would say at least 1,500 of those are television. Now, just look at the numbers for a second. Who is influencing your child? Just based on the numbers, the most. Do you want that influence? Because that's what's going on. So how do you, you, you work with that? You know, when we, when we think that uh, John 1, great text, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The, the word, Word, means message, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's a message. It, it's it's a, uh, a communication. But this message was so important that Jesus couldn't tweet it. God didn't send a prophet. God didn't even send an angel with this message because 114, next verse, it says, And the Word became flesh. The message became flesh. It's Jesus and dwelt among us and we've seen his glory. Glory of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. When Jesus wanted to demonstrate love and communicate love, you can only really communicate love in person. 
I mean, you can write a letter, but if you get a love letter with a thought that you will never, ever really see or meet this person, it's a, a delusional fantasy. It's, it, it's, it's not reality. Love can only be communicated in person. God, Genesis 3, he's in the garden with Adam and Eve walking with his people. Moses is spoken of as one who knows God face to face. There is a, a first, first John, this is, this is, this is really cool. John says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard with our ears, right? Which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. He's talking about Jesus here. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and tested, touched it and hugged it and held on to it and ate with it and testified to you and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which changed John's life wasn't a doctrinal statement per se. It was a person. It was a face-to-face encounter. There's no, we just don't want to trade our face-to-face relationships for Facebook-to-Facebook relationships. We are connected online with two men. We just cannot be genuinely connected at a soul level with all of those. And so we're choosing who we're going to connect with. So commandment eight, that's that you're going to connect with your male child and your female child and your spouse without the lousy phone. But command number nine, thou shalt end the day with him, with thy God, right? Not Thy phone. When we mentioned earlier that 75% of those aged 25 to 29 go to sleep with their phone, statistics are though that 50% of every cell phone user goes to sleep with their phone. That's amazing to me. 95% of cell phone users admit that that last hour before they go to bed, they are, are, are surfing the net. They are on social media. They, they, are, they are dealing with emails. They're watching TV until they finally fall asleep. The last thing on their mind are issues with this world or, or comparison issues with social media. It's interesting. The Hebrews, they started Sabbath in the evening. So one of the first activities was rest, was going to sleep. Now, David is all over this. Psalm 4. Listen, look at this, what David says. He says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. David's able to rest because, why? Last thing on his mind is God's faithfulness, God's love for him, God's care for him. Um, I think this goes beyond, you know, all the studies that talk about how the screen can keep us up at night and messes with our melatonin, messes our REM and all that. Um, that's secondary. I can't imagine when I spend time before I go to bed reading, reading a, a psalm, maybe on my knees saying, Lord, here's my issues for the day, but you know what? They're yours. I can't do anything about them tonight. I want you to know they're yours. Thank you for what you've given me. And then as you in bed, maybe reading through scripture, maybe quoting something you've memorized. I can't imagine that that doesn't work on our soul in a major, major way. And so perhaps this this command, you need to establish maybe some no phone zones, right? Maybe the, the dinner table's a no phone zone. Maybe the bathroom's a no phone zone. That'd get these guys out of there quicker, wouldn't it? Maybe, how about this? Maybe the bedroom ends up... Being a sacred place, it's going to be a no phone zone. You know, we're going to get an alarm clock and the phones are not coming in. And it's just going to be a, a sacred uh, place. Uh, end the day 
with him. And you might say, you know what, some of these... Some of these applications are just a bit extreme. Thank you very much. Um, that leads us to our 10th command. Thou shalt do whatever it taketh to pursue holiness. Matthew 5, 29, 30. This is what Jesus says. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Jesus is obviously not talking about self-mutilation because Old Testament's going to challenge that. But what he's letting us know is if you're really serious about holiness, it's not going to come without being, it's going to be assaulted. It's sometimes it requires radical, extreme steps. The goal for this thing is that we are the owner, this is the slave, not the other way around. And just to keep it that way, sometimes we have to drop some radical, extreme-type steps to bring that about. So what you got, the command you know that it needs to be yours, that you're going to be working on real quick. Number one, thou shalt start thy day with God, not your phone. Number two, thou shalt not text and drive. Maybe that's the one you need to land on. Number three, thou shalt guard thy soul from a yuck. Maybe that you that's where you need to go. Number four, remember the text Sabbath to keep it holy. You say, oh yeah, I've forgotten that already. Time to pick it up on that one. Number five, remember who thou art. Number six, thou shalt not post for approval. Seven, thou shalt not interrupt a real conversation for a virtual one. Number eight, thou shalt date thy man-child and female-child and spouse without the lousy phone in the mix. Number nine, uh, thou shalt end the day with thy God, not thy phone. And ten, thou shalt do whatever it takes to pursue holiness. No legalism, no guilt. We just are folk who I, I, I trust this is where we're at. We're just folk who want to know what God's principles are and apply them to every area of our life, even this area. We want to be godly people, using this for the great, great things that it brings, not having it uh, fill us with regret and pain and hurt. Would you, would you pray with me?